Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Tyler Owens, welcome back to the Center of the Universe. Hey, I'm excited to do it. Do it again. Do a part two. Yeah, this is. Uh, we're going to call it part two. Uh, and I, I, we should mention that we ended part one. Uh, you had talked about how you had the, the fortune of meeting some uh, pretty high-ranking military VIPs, uh, to include uh, the Secretary of the of DoD or Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel. And around that time, you had changed your uh, views of joining the military after college. Is that fair? Is that a, a good recap? Yeah, we were talking about just meeting Chuck Hagel. And yeah, I got introduced to a couple of military VIPs that persuaded me or not persuaded me, influenced me rather to go forward and, you know, seek a commission in the Army. Yes. What year were you at VMI when that happened? I when I went to the first Army Navy game and met General Abrams and Chuck Hagel, I was a junior. So, yeah, in my third year at VMI. Yeah, and so had you been in ROTC prior to that? Well, when you're a cadet at VMI, you have to participate in ROTC in some capacity. But when you've indicated at any point along the ride that you don't want to commission, you have no interest in commissioning, then you're put into a non-commissioning Air Force class, which is Air Force ROTC. Um, but for non-commissioning cadets, which is they teach you, you do certain certain leadership classes but all in all it, it wasn't it wasn't much it was just like a space filler um at, at least that's how i remember we, we we did paintball and things like that different activities that were just leisure um and then yeah so i had not participated in army rotc at all and when i met them it was in december of my junior year so you know i, I spent some time thinking about it got to the end of second second semester and i was like feeling it even more and so by by the end of the year i expressed interest to them in second semester of my junior year but i wasn't going to start the army rotc program until the first semester of my senior year so that is when i started my army journey i did one year or you know rather two semesters of army rotc and then commissioned yeah, I'm, I'm an Army ROTC uh, commission guy. And back in the day, uh, you either did a full four years or maybe you joined in at the beginning of your sophomore year. And for some of the late bloomers, they would start at the beginning of their junior year. And there's certainly exceptions uh, for all kinds of things. It sounds like you went through the exception path because you decided that, hey, you know what, maybe this is the path for me. It just happens to be I, I uh, started to figure that out Uh during my junior year and after some vetting, you started your senior year, but you're unusual. That, that, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Certainly. And I, I mean, I ended up teaching ROTC, you know, towards the end of my army time. And I, I did learn that, but it was because in the exception in, in my case was because I was at VMI, which is a senior military college. And I technically was enrolled in air force ROTC, they somehow, you know, that was able to count towards my time. Oh, so you got a full four years of ROTC. Yeah, technically. <laughs> but not Army, but it, it, but it was an Army ROTC. And that's the, you know, that's the, sort of the thing. But when I, and it all came down to just going to camp and being evaluated at the leader development or assessment camp at the time. And when I passed that, everything was good. Where'd you go to that? I was actually in the first year that they moved from Washington State out at JBLM and they moved it to Fort Knox, Kentucky. So, my yeah, I, I participated in the summer, probably summer of 2014. That was the only, uh, you know, additional exception is that I got to go to camp after my senior year was complete. Whereas the most people that do the traditional route, you'd go to that camp between your junior and senior year. Yeah, I, I went to uh, Bragg in the summer of 1990, so you can do the math on my age there, Tyler. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I heard uh, Lewis actually, I mean, I've never been to Lewis, but I understand it's a pretty good post. Have you, did you ever go out there? I've never, I've never, I've never been stationed there. I've, I've been there um, in 
you know, otherwise. But so I don't I don't know as far as training and things. It the looks, you know, it, it does seem nice. I obviously my, my father was in the military growing up, so I've been to post all over the country, but yeah, I don't have any experience there per se. You tell me if I'm wrong here. When I went through, I had to fill out my, I think we called it the dream sheet, my, my top 10 MOSs that I wanted to be as after I commissioned. And you usually got one of your top three. Did you have a similar process or, or if it was different, what, what was that process like to get your MOS? Sounds like it was about the same. Um, when we went through, you get to do rank your preferences, I think, um, for at least for the branches you you rank them all the way through and then they maybe consider your top 10 and then the same thing when it comes to your desired post and so i knew i wanted to be an infantry officer so i put infantry number one you know i ended up getting that luckily but obviously i got the short end when it came to my post selection because i didn't have fort polk which is now fort johnson i didn't have that on there at all and that's what I ended up getting. But, you know, things work out serendipitously. Well, I mean, if you're going to if you want to be an infantryman, you're you're willing to sign up for some tough things. Uh, and <laughs> Fort Polk is probably the worst army post that I've ever been to. It's not. <laughs> even yeah. Yeah. And you get a lot of good training. That's what our battalion commander would always say. If you want to, you know, train leaders and also be able to develop yourself, being at Fort Polk specifically once 10th Mountain was down there since I was in 3rd Brigade, 10th Mountain. You know everything worked out was third brigade 10th mountain there permanently yeah once uh um, i think they got reflagged down there probably I, I don't know the exact year but i got there in 2015 and and my battalion was new it my battalion had only been around for like two months at the time huh yeah because the 10th mountain was entirely like every brigade my understanding was always at Fort Drum. It sounds like that's changed over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, but definitely. I'm, I'm getting old, Tyler. All right, so <laughs> why did you put infantry number one? So um, I, 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 luckily for me, I got to go through the entire year of ROTC. You know, I got my introduction in ROTC at BMI. I went on my first ftx and during the ftx i actually received a commander's award for excellence it was like what the army rotc pms it was an award that they give to cadets when they participate in ftx and so they sort of acknowledged my natural ability to lead and this was doing things that i wasn't familiar with you know uh, and a lot of my peers have been in rotc army rotc for the entire four years um so i went out there and i got that and i had you know Previously or prior to that, I talked to General Abrams and all of these these other generals and great people that were like, hey, you have what it takes. We need guys like you to serve in combat arms. Um, so that in conjunction with me doing well during one of the sticks lanes or FTX while I was at BMI and then compound my experience when I went to LDAC which was the you know 30 days at fort knox um in my squad when i went through in my squad i had a guy that was in ranger regiment formerly before he decided to go green to gold and become an officer so in all of the evaluations and anytime i was in leadership or anytime in general that him and i were talking because you know you spend a lot of time with your squad um, he just always kept saying, Hey man, you, you would be a you would be a perfect infantry officer. So all of these people were planting these seeds. And then I sort of, I just, I took a, I took a chance. Cause I knew that if, and I, the, the real thing that came to me that made, made me make up my mind was I think after I came back from camp that summer being really exposed to like you know, the army and how army training works. And that was my first time going 30 days away from home in that sort of environment. You know, I had been to football camps and things, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed, I was looking for something similar to being on a football team now that I knew that was gonna be over and I enjoyed the camaraderie of it and the ability to have chances to lead. And so when I left camp that summer, I watched uh, 
documentary called Restrepo. I don't know you, if you're familiar with it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. So Restrepo about the, the unit that was in the Korangal Valley. Um, and it was an infantry, an infantry company and an infantry platoon that they were sort of following. Um, and younger was the, the director or the guy that went out there and filmed it. And it just was, to me, it was like, wow, like this is really what's going on. Um, and that, that sort of point of view and to see what those soldiers and the leaders were going through, I was like, if I'm going to go into the military, then those are the guys that I feel like I best align with. And that's why I decided ultimately to go and want to be an infantry officer. No, that's a great answer. Uh, infantry, um, tip of the spear. Uh, there's something about shared suffering that really creates powerful bonds. Uh, we might have one or two non-military listeners, so uh, you used a, a couple of acronyms. Uh, PMS okay. PMS could mean a, a few things. Uh, professor <laughs> of Military Science, uh, FTX Field Training Exercise, Six Lane Situational Training Exercise, and then the LDAC. Tell me if this is wrong. Leadership Development and Assessment Course. Correct. I'll, I'll make sure I, I, you know, correct myself now. No, you're all good. Well, I'm definitely going to ask you. You're probably going to use one that I'm not familiar with since I've been out a minute. Cool. All right. So, yeah, you chose wisely. Look, for anybody that's in the military that doesn't do infantry or combat arms in general, they they serve a great purpose and, and they are uh, they serve as proudly as, as uh, combat arms do. But there's something uh, near and dear to my heart for people that serve in the infantry. So uh, I appreciate your, your service there. All right. So you, you, you get commissioned. Any anything unusual with your commissioning? Everything went normally after you went to uh, LDAC? My dad always jokes, man, that uh, for us Owens boys, when it comes to anything competitive or us setting goals, as everybody in life, you know, we go through adversities. But similar to how when I had a, an ACL surgery in high school, which is a typical surgery, a lot of athletes tear their ACL, you know, but I tore my ACL along with a lot of other ligaments and then had that that 1%, that less than a 1% chance of getting a staph infection. And I was the guy that got a staph infection. And so, um, you know, it almost seemed too good to be true that, hey, here I am. I made a decision my senior year to commission in the army. Boom, I knocked out this FTX. I've only been in it for an entire year, two semesters, and I'm tracking. I got to go to camp. If I do well at camp, then I'm going to be able to commission. So, um, when I came back from LDAC, there was a couple of stipulations because of my time at football, playing football at VMI, and the anticipation of the coaches and counselors thinking that I was going to stay for a fifth year. My sort of my uh, you know my credits were spread out over the course of the four years to allow that to happen. So when I made the decision to commission. I started thinking, hey, I don't want to come back for my fifth year and play and end up getting hurt. You know, I don't want to get injured further because I've made up my mind. I know I want to move forward and charge forward with this infantry army thing. So I had to break the news to my coach about that. That that was a huge issue. You know that I I, I met a lot of uh, resistance about that and retribution. You know, I feel like when you. If you go Google me and, and you see my stats from VMI and the little biography that they have about my time in football, it, it's reflected that way because of the decision I made to leave and not come back my fifth year. Um, but so all of that said, when I came back, I was going to graduate in December of 2014, opposed to May, because I, I was able to take a like three classes that summer. And then I needed to take one class, one elective class throughout that semester. So from August of 2014 to December of 2014, one class. And what they let me do is I, I actually was dating a girl at the time and she graduated in May because we were the same year group. She moved to San Diego. So I went out there and stayed with her for a few months while I was taking this one online elective class. And the plan all along was to, hey, Tyler, just stay in shape. Once you finish that class, you will commission in December. So that's what I did. I went over there, had a time of my life. Like San Diego is absolutely amazing. I always plug, you know, shameless plug for, for San Diego. 
in Carlsbad specifically, but came back and I took that PT test. You have to take a commissioning PT test in November of that year. And, you know, traditional army PT test. I had to do push-ups, sit-ups in a two-mile run. Um, I wasn't, in this time, I was transitioning from playing football forever and trying to work on being a two-mile runner. And that just wasn't for me. You know, I was bulky. I, I The two-mile used to kick my, my butt. So I had to really work hard to, you know, do it. And when I got there to take my commissioning APFT, and, and I was supposed to commission the next day. So we did this the day before um, I showed up and I was running with one of my buddies and I sort of collapsed on maybe after the first quarter mile. I mean, maybe actually it might have been more like the first mile that more more. The first mile was done and I was coming around to start the second mile and I started feeling strange, man, shortness of breath you know, tingling in my like feet, but not just normal running tingling. Like I felt strange things that I had never sensations I had never felt before in my life and then sort of collapsed, um, was completely, completely out of it. Um, and the guy was like, Hey man, get up, man, you know, get up. Just trying to motor. This is a guy I play football with. He probably said a couple expletives, um, like get, get up. Get your get your butt up, man. Like we all you gotta do is finish this run. And he knew that I wasn't the greatest two-mile runner. So I'm I'm assuming in his mind he thought I was like quitting on myself. But I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't, I had lost all my motor ability. And that's scary, man. That's really scary. It is. And 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 honestly, I felt absolutely terrible. So I laid there, and even the instructor that was you know, grading this test for us, he he didn't take me serious and he never came over to check on me. So after I sort of regained my consciousness and ability to stand up, which felt like an eternity for me, I did it. And they were already back inside of our ROTC building um, getting his height and weight. So when I walk in there, they're asking me to get on a scale. And I mean, like I, I'm walking like so slow, step by step. My legs felt like, you know, 200 pound bags and I get in there, I'm disoriented. I'm out of it. My body is aching. My, my stomach and my back were hurting and, you know, make a long story short, I failed the PT test and I was supposed to commission the next day. And they're calling me all these names. Like they are attributing it to me being on vacation in San Diego, opposed to being in Lexington, Virginia for those months, you know, preparing for this big moment. And I jumped in my car that day because I drove down from my father's house, flew back from California to D.C., drove from D.C. to Lexington just to take this PT test. Then I drove back to my father's house. And on the way back, I was like, I called him. I think I was an hour from his house. I was like, I am going to pull over because I've been feeling terrible this entire ride. My body is hurting. I'm feeling things that I never felt. And I went over to Fort Belvoir in the E.R., barely made it i felt like crawling in there and after they admitted me did a bunch of tests they found out that i had an acute kidney failure oh gosh yeah and and then so you know like my dad always say at, at for an owens man i ended up going through so i was supposed to commission in december and between that when that happened I went probably another two months. So, cause I ended up commissioning in February of 2015. Yeah. So from, for two months, I was going to see doctors and nephrologists, which are kidney specialists at Walter Reed, seeing all kinds of doctors. And after tons of evaluation and tests, stress tests, hooking me up, having me on the treadmill, they couldn't, they didn't come up with an etiology. So, it's like, hey, we don't know why this happened, but we do know that your kidneys were largely affected by this. So I had a couple of lifestyle changes. You know, don't take insects. Don't do this. Don't you know, we don't advise you to drink for a while because like you had a significant event that took place in your kidneys and we don't know why. So I didn't think I was going to be able to commission. I was down once again. It was very similar to sort of the defeat that I felt when I was going through the adversity and obstacles when I tore my ACL in high school after I was on this high. And then, you know, it seemed like, wow, like none of the things that I wanted are going to work out. So I was in that same place, but I stayed 
motivated because I had already gone through VMI. I'd gone through the rat line. I had been through what I went through in high school. So I was like, I'm going to do my part. And when the doctors clear me to start working out, I'm going to give it my all. And I'm going to go back down there if they let me and I'll take the, the PT test. And that's ultimately what happened. You know, I, I got cleared and the nephrologist that cleared me was like, if, um, and, and this ties into a later story, but she was like, if, if you were my child, I wouldn't clear you, but your father's advocating for you and you seem like you really want this and I don't want to get in the way of your career goals. So she cleared me and then ROTC was like, if you take the PT test and you pass it, come down here. And we'll do all this untraditionally. You come and pass the PT test and we'll do your commissioning ceremony right there on the spot. My dad ended up being the guy that did my the, the officer that did my oath office. So it just worked out. It worked out in the end. But, you know, it was a challenge to get there. Do, do both of your kidneys function today? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> to my knowledge, my kidneys are, are healthy, normal functioning kidneys. Yep. And no working theories of what caused that acute failure. Um, the only, you know, moonshot that they went with is that just being a, you know, an athlete having injuries over the course of all those years, I was, I was, I don't know, my back was like sore that morning when I knew I had to go take the PT test. So I, I think I took like an 800 milligram ibuprofen, like three hours, four hours before the PT test. And that was the only thing that they said could have contributed to, you know, but, but like I said, they never truly had an etiology for it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's wild, man. Yeah. I, I guess you, when things go well for you, you have a deep appreciation for them because you know what uh, the, the opposite looks like, man. Well, I, I was taking a flyer that you had something going on around your commission. I had no idea it was that. Yeah, it, it was pretty intense. And so that day when I commissioned, it really meant a lot. It meant a lot to my father. It meant a lot to me, to people that supported me, who who knew what I, you know, had gone to, gone through. And I even had um, one of my best friends from high school. He was at Virginia State University at the time running track. And he drove all the way up to Lexington the day that I had to go run to run on the track with me as like a pace man because you know, I already was not the greatest two mile runner. Then I had the, the kidney, acute kidney failure, two months off of doing evaluations, no activity. And then here I am in February taking this test again. But we were like, I'm not quitting. I, like you all are going to have to drag me off this track again. And I was nervous. I was apprehensive. It was similar to the feelings that I got when I, you know, tried to play football after tearing my ACL twice. It's like, man, what, what's going to happen when I get out here and give it my all? But but thank God it ended up working out. Well, and look, Lexington, Virginia in February is not the warmest place to be either. <laughs> a, an entirely different story. And you are you are absolutely right about that. And I, I used I joked with my dad that it, it was so cold that I couldn't think about the pain. And and that that goes into some of my later stories of uh, Ranger School. All right. Well, let's. uh Let's talk about you went to officer basic course at Benning, obviously. Um, yeah. A lot of field time for you. You guys, I imagine, spent tons, some time. Tons. tons. Yeah. Now, now that I'm on the, uh, you know, the other side of things and I understand how the training goes, but you always have people that try to prepare you like, hey, it'll be 18 weeks. It'll be this long. You're going to go to the field a certain amount. But they were doing this like pilot thing when I got down there trying to incorporate the, the maneuver course captains into into iBullock so that they can lead some of the the lanes and stuff for us so i think when i went through it was 19 weeks and out of those so iBullock was 19 yeah maybe 20 weeks and out of that time we were in the field about 15 of those weeks so yeah it, it was a lot of time in the field well that's the way it's supposed to be grunts uh Especially ones that do it for more than a minute, I uh, love being in the field. Yeah, you yeah, learn. it just prepares, it, it prepares you for it. And if you if you don't love it initially, you learn to love it. <laughs> Embrace the suck, right? That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, sorry for this. Ibolic is I, I knew it had changed to that, but 
because I'm old again. Uh, it was officer basic oh. course. Basic officer <laughs> leadership course, I think is what it became. Yes, basic officer leadership course, the infantry basic officer leadership course, Ibolic. All right, so then you get assigned to a unit after Ibolic, right? Yes, after Ibolic, you know, some of the same stuff when I was in Bolic, same thing. I got there in March, right after the commission in February, got there in March, ended up getting some strange Achilles injury, like in my first month, got got sort of put into a, a medical platoon and I didn't actually start Bolic again until um, June. So that was another thing, you know, so I was there in June. But yeah, once I got through in June, um, I ended up finishing and we graduated at the end of October. And, and you know, the entire time of being an infantry guy in Bolick, all they're doing, they talk about infantry Bolick is pre-ranger school because they're prepping you to go to ranger school. So that was the big hot topic. Well, so you went through, you went through bidding in the summer? Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. But then again, Another you, you were... Experience. You were posted Fort Polk, so you got you got plenty of uh, ridiculous humidity and uh, heat down there. All right, so you met that guy uh, who was uh, green to gold at LDAC, the, the Ranger Regiment guy. Is that when you started thinking about Ranger School? Yeah, that that was a that was the time when I really started thinking about it. Um, well, I mean, that was the first time I was like, huh, you know, if I go become an infantry officer, then I'll likely have to go to Ranger School. Um, and, and back at, when we were at VMI, when you heard about people going to ranger school, it was like, oh my God, like that, that guy went to ranger school and finished it. And so when I was at VMI, I would have told somebody, there's no way I'm ever going to ranger school. I don't want to go through because of those, some of those miserable stories I heard. Um, but yeah, once you get, once I got into Bullock, I fully understood and accepted, like I am going to ranger school. Yeah. I mean, you, you get to a place where you're in the field as much as y'all were and you're like, yeah, I can, I can handle anything. Like I'll yeah. be, I'll be fine. It's gonna suck, but I, but I can, I can persevere. And the, and there's no way you get through range school without having the mindset that's, that says I'm never gonna quit, and I'm, I'm, I'm a good enough teammate that they're not gonna peer me out. Um, and so yeah, they're, I'm gonna have to die. Um, that's the only thing that's gonna keep me from getting that task. <laughs> yeah, and that was the philosophy or sort of way that I approached ranger school for sure because of the story of getting there. Is there more to the story prior to Ranger School, or do you want to hop into Ranger School? My story, like 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 all things, I, I take the long route to, to certain goals. So the traditional route is you you complete Bullock, you complete that officer, the basic officer training. And then for us, it was like that next, I don't know, some I think our, our date was maybe three weeks after we graduated, we were all going to Ranger School in the same class, which was cool because most of the platoon if we had a platoon of 37 guys like 35 of us went to ranger school that day and and so at the end of our bullock experience the week after we graduated we did or it might have been it was actually before we graduated they took us over to the ranger school um what is that camp camp rogers and we actually did the ranger fitness assessment test and it's same thing it's it's two mile run you got to do push-ups sit-ups under two minutes and then you got to do pull-ups and we did it and it was graded by our eyes and this is what's crazy so yeah we did this test i went there ran it passed the test everything right with the our eyes fast forward to i think literally that next week is when we went to ranger school because i started ranger school november 1st 2015. we went out there you go in you check in the ranger school they start you know you start the whole ranger school experience that night like hey get your rucks start you know building your rucks putting all this equipment together and they keep you up for my experience was we stayed up they kept us up at least until about 2 30 that morning and we knew that we were waking up at like 4 30 the next morning like you know we were gonna have to wake up at 4 30 to go do this fitness test like and if you don't pass the fitness test then you don't even get to start 
what is considered hell week. Um, so, or rap week, ranger assessment phase, rap week. So wake up in that the next morning and it is that Fort Benning pouring down rain, like heavy rain, telling rain that, that hurts. And when we started running, like so I made it through, you know, push ups, sit ups. And when we started running, because I was not a great runner, but I had just done this a week before, you know, but I didn't have on a watch because you couldn't wear your watches. So this guy who needs a watch to set pace himself, because I'm only about a year into actually running like this in my whole life, compared to a lot of these guys that were great runners. And the rain just screwed me up and I'm coming back done with the um with the actually i said i said it was a two mile it's a five mile run it's a five mile run for for a ranger so i'm coming back right at the finish line and i hear them counting down you know they're like 30 counting down from 30 seconds if you don't make it to the finish line by zero you're out and man i promise you i crossed the finish line when he was like right at one second mm. And I ran over to get in the pull-up line so I could finish the test. And they came and got me and grabbed me. It was like, hey, you are a failure. So I failed, I failed Ranger School the first time I went. And you know that, that because when they said one second, that whoever was counting down, they viewed that as zero seconds. I guess maybe I was wrong. I I swear I thought I crossed it, but yeah, it, it was too close. I, I I guess the the way that they considered it is. If it's close, then it's not going in a Ranger student's favor. You know what I mean? They need somebody that's going to exceed the standard, not barely meet it. Yeah, so, so did you even do pull-ups? I didn't get to do the pull-ups, no. Yeah. They, they, they sent me back to the little holding area where all the people that had failed the test go. And so then you go back to your unit. I, you know, I, had not go, I hadn't gone to my unit, unit yet. Unit for yeah, the first so, time. Yeah, so that was it was embarrassing. I, I was oh, I was so sad because my entire platoon that I went through Bullock with, they were all there. You know, like I think maybe a couple of them failed the push-ups. The, then that's before the run. So a couple people failed. So I wasn't alone in like my sorrow, but I just was like, man, I'm better than this. I, I practiced. We just did this test last week, and yeah, I ended up. So that happened in November, and I didn't just based on how the timeline works at Benning getting out of the schoolhouse, I didn't end up moving and getting permanent change of station until February of that next year, February of 2016. I went to my unit. Here I am an infantry officer in an infantry battalion with no Ranger tab. And I was with a new battalion commander and he had, you know, this is a guy that served in Ranger regiment. So he was huge on Ranger school. Like he's the guy that wanted everybody to be Ranger qualified from the chemo, to the medical officer, the chemical officer, the medical officer, everybody in our battalion, if you were a lieutenant, his expectation was that you had gone to ranger school because you are in an infantry battalion. And so that came with a lot of heartache. I, I did not get the traditional experience. He ended up making me run our battalion esprit de corps sort of store. I was selling battalion items. When I tell you this was a low point, not just in my career, obviously, this is the first career experience I'm getting. Like, hey, I'm finally at my unit and I was getting treated like, you know, like crap. And I was so down. But looking back at the experience that I got, like running that store, meeting all the company commanders, and just meeting all of my peers and all of the people that were in my unit, because here I am selling T-shirts and now jeans with our cross rifles in 2-2. And, and sweatshirts, um, it was very, very embarrassing because soldiers used to come up to me like, sir, well, how did you get this shitty position? Like, why are you the officer in charge of this store? And I was like, because I don't have, you know, I don't have the Ranger tab, bottom line. And I had that Ranger tab on my left shoulder. Um, so, so, yeah, I think I got there in February and this guy was gung-ho about you you know going back to ranger school rightfully so and i wanted to go back so i'm training all the time to go back to ranger school and we used to do an rpft every single monday in this unit we do our five miles push-ups sit-ups pull-ups every monday and 
I mean, if I was in that unit from February to November, you can count the Mondays minus maybe two two months of us being away for field training, right? And even in the field, we would do the RPFT. <laughs> and I failed a lot of them, honestly. Like, you know, my buddies now, I can look back and laugh, but I, 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 I failed a lot of them. And it was always a two-mile run. And the route that we ran on, thank God it was what it was because it prepared me for ranger school. Because it was Healy in Fort Polk. Like, it, we had to run up this hill, down this hill, and up a little incline. And so it used to kick my butt. But I ended up passing, and he sent me to pre-ranger, which was a entirely oh. – so here I am going from Fort Polk in the summer. Fort Polk, Louisiana. Fort Johnson now. Super hot. Like hot at 6.30 a.m. Scorching. And then I did pre-ranger at Fort Drum, New York right outside of Watertown, and I got up there in October of 2016. And, man, oh, even in October. It's Canada. Yeah, yeah. So I went through pre-ranger for an entire month, and it was snowing up there. We're freezing. They're trying to break us. But I made it through. Flew straight from finishing four weeks of pre-ranger down to Fort Benning, and look at the anniversary. I started Ranger School on November 1st, 2015. I failed to run. Here I am an exact year later, November 1st, 2016, Sunday, starting Ranger School all over again. And here, I, you know, just thinking I cannot fail this run. And no matter what, I'm not failing this run. And the, the time limit is 40 minutes. You got to run five miles in under 40 minutes. And I ended up running it in like 3630. Because we, we did it every week while I was at pre-ranger. So at this point, I knew. I was like, I can run a 36. And I knew what the pace felt like. So I made it through, finished um, the run. And that was like, finally, now I can start rap week, which is the ranger assessment phase. And that is the equivalent of hell week. Well, and you're, uh, the day you took the RPFT both times, that was zero day effectively, right? It is. It is, yep. All right, so uh, give me one good story from uh, Hell Week. <laughs> a good story from Hell Week is that during the land navigation day, um, if you finish if you finish land nav early, then you sort of get a little break at the end, and you get to prepare for the, the ruck march the next day. Um, but if you fail land nav, then you have to wake up, repeat, and then you go straight into the ruck march that next that following morning. You don't get any like break. You get maybe you get a rest two or three hours. So because uh I don't know what happened during land nav. I was like, oh, I'm, I was gonna go out there and while it was still dark and go find all my points. And I'm I went the wrong direction, started finding points that weren't mine and ended up failing land nav. And they let, so if you fail day one land nav, they let you do it again on day two. And I did it again and I passed. Like I passed and I almost had the same points, but you know, it's just one of those things. So when I went into the ruck march, I was super tired. Um, so I, I would say my 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 story of, of rap week, it was, it was tough in all its glory, but um, pushing through that ruck march after failing that the land nav was especially tough mentally and physically. But I, how, I made it. How long was the ruck march? You do a 12 mile ruck march. Um, yeah, 12 miles. And I, I believe, I can't believe that I can't, I can't remember this. I'm pretty sure it's a three hour standard. I'm guessing it's a yeah. three hour standard, like air assault school. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you make it through rap week. Uh, and then you, what, what was your first phase beyond rap week? Where were you? We were down there at Fort Benning, so you're in the Derby phase. They take you on a little bus ride about, I don't know, 35 minutes outside of Camp Camp Rogers to the middle, and then, you know, you get started in Derby phase. All right. In the, no in the, in the winter, in, in, or, you know, in November, and it was actually cold as heck in Georgia at night. So I, I've never been to Ranger School. I, I know a bunch of people that have. Uh, my dad's got a some good stories from Ranger School. My buddies have some good stories. 
And most of those stories come out of the fact that you don't sleep very much. Um, and, yeah. and, and obviously you're not eating very much because you went through the winter, which by the way is nuts. It's, it's the yeah. hardest time to go through ranger school. You get a little more food because it's, it's colder and your body needs more uh, fuel, but you don't get a lot of food. Right. And, and uh, you're sleeping. What I've been told, if you got more than two hours sleep uh, every 24 hours, you, you were really lucky. Yeah. They, I don't, they don't give you any more food. And and that's why anybody that tells oh, all really? of my buddies. Yeah. No, all of my buddies that went through Ranger school, the ones that went through in the summer or in the spring, I, I was in Ranger school from November 1st until April 28th. And I got, you know, the full gamut of experiences and going through in the winter. That's, it's just a different, it's an entirely different course. It's, it's and going through in the summer is tough. Yeah, it's hot. Oh, you know, but when you're cold, when you are cold and you're shivering and your hands don't work in the mountain phase, it's just an entire different level of, of misery. And, and you, you know, you're burning more calories. So you're losing weight so fast. I got down to like 180 pounds from being 228 in college. Mm. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm surprised they didn't give you a little more food because I know they were doing that back in the uh, the 90s. Uh, I guess maybe yeah. they changed their views on that. You get you got an MR uh, one MRE every. So we got one every. I think they did it 12 hours. But what they would do to us in in you know you're you you're run you're doing all kind of. Uh, just the field training exercises, the the long ruck marches with with your ruck, a series of different training events, stressful training events. So you're just exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. You're burning so many calories. And what they were doing is that we would get an MRE. Let's say, hey, they stop us on the side of a road on during a ruck march at 2 a.m. Eat your MRE. You got 15 minutes to eat it. So you scarf it down. And then we continue our ruck march. And then what seemed like an hour later, maybe at the most two hours, but I'm pretty sure it was an hour. You, you get one MRE during the ruck march, for example, and then an hour later at the end of the ruck march, whatever the unknown distance that you all just maneuvered, you would eat another MRE. And this was my experience pretty much throughout that they would put the, the feeding times of these MREs so close together that it almost felt like one meal. So then you, you know, with, with your ranger brain hallucination, being tired, you feel like you go 24 hours without eating or, you know, 23 hours and you eat both, both meals within two hour period and then just go all day again without eating. And that was, that's sort of what also makes it, it worse. All right. So do you have any good hallucination stories? From Ranger School, oh, I got tons of hallucination stories. Like I said, I was there. No lie, when I got to Florida Phase, there was one other guy who him and I at the time were the guys throughout all three phases of Ranger School who have been in Ranger School the longest during you know that current period. And I had been there for I think at that time maybe like 140 days. And he he was there for like 145 days. And this guy also graduated from BMI. So that was like the irony. And he he was he was like two or three years younger than me, like maybe two years behind me. But that that was hilarious. So I ended up graduating right at about 177 days. And I man, when I I my best story, I have so many stories of hallucinating. I remember one time I was so out of it, I thought I saw um a concession stand, but I'll give you a quick story on it. So I, when I got to Florida phase, I did Florida phase three times. I recycled mountain phase because they say I was a safety violation, which was, you know, very subjective. It was in the middle of the night. The RI said I wasn't looking down the side of my weapons at night when we had on nods laying on the side of a mountain, you know, doing an ambush on a road. So whatever, I lost that battle, ended up doing mountain face twice in the winter plus i did a recycle ftx so really 
I I feel like I did three full rotations of mountain phase, which hardened me because I'm telling you, it was miserable. It snowed. It was freezing. Sometimes we got to the top of winding stair and other mountains. It would be like below, you know, zero. But when I got to Florida, I I had been there for a while, got used to it. So I never really fell asleep. I wasn't having issues sleeping. And then at the very end, maybe like day day six of a 10 day field training of, of Florida phase. I remember like I'm walking with all the guys we're, we're doing a, we're, we're moving to our next objective. I don't know. Maybe we had like a six mile movement and I saw this concession stand in the distance and I'm not making this up. I saw a concession stand in the distance and something just, you know, it's almost like my body was being pulled to this oasis. You hear those stories. I go over to this concession stand. I'm standing in line, like ordering, <laughs> ordering fries or something. And then I hear an R.I. in my ear. Ranger, what are you doing? And I'm like, you know, I open my eyes and I woke up and I'm standing in front of a tree like my nose is on a tree. And I was like, what? How, how is it? And I was probably about a good. I don't know, 30 meters off the road, like I had walked off the, the path that we were walking on down into the wood line and I'm standing in front of a tree. And because they had, you know, our eyes do this because they know this happens. You know, you have like ways of managing at mountain phase. One time they tied us all together. Like we all had ropes tying us to the person in front of you because they didn't want, if one person fell off, you know, while we were walking on these mountains, if you fell off the side, at least everybody would get pulled. So they would know a guy went down, but in Florida phase, I had just veered off and, Probably the guy that was behind me also was tired, so he didn't even notice. And thank goodness, you know, the RI saw it and came in, and came in and woke me up. But you know, I got I got a, a one one other the major. Hold on, hold on, before you go there, when you when you say you woke up, like you were effectively sleepwalking towards what you believed was a concession stand. Yeah, yeah, that that's my understanding of how the hallucinations work. Sometimes I hallucinated when I knew I, I was awake and I like still saw things. But that time when it was uber vivid, I was, yeah, I was sleepwalking. And I mean, when you're in ranger school that long, I everybody has experienced either they've done it or they saw a buddy legitimately sleepwalking, like walking with their eyes closed. Um, people used to fall asleep standing up. Guys used to drop all the time. Like we would, anytime they would stop us in the middle of the night after we had been doing something and you had only gotten, you know, four hours of sleep in a 48 hour period and you stop, you hear weapons falling. And it's because there's guys just hitting the ground, falling asleep. Exhausted. And so the RIs know that's going to happen. And so they, they manage it the best they can, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, man, looking back, I bet from their perspective, it's, it's probably very frustrating, but also hilarious. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You, you think you've got a bunch of stories. RIs have been here a couple of years. They have thousands of them. All right, yeah. so you, 177 days. For the guys that go straight through, and it's really, really, really hard to go straight through, I imagine you would know better than me, they do 62 days. 62 That's it. 62 days with extreme physical – exertion, not enough food, because you're probably burning eight to 12,000 calories a day, most days. Yeah. Uh, and your intake is maybe 4,000 calories a day, probably more like 2,500. Uh, and you're not sleeping. And you did that for almost three times as long as the guys yeah. who go through. That doesn't make any sense to me, Tyler. It it it, it, it wore me down. I, I certainly felt it. Like I said, the mountain phase is what broke me. Like I... Doing mountain phase two times plus that additional recycle FTX since I, you know, recycle and I was there during a period of time where we had to wait up there in Dahlonega, Georgia for 30 days for the new Ranger students to arrive so that we can start up again. Um, I, I was beat. I was so tired. Mountain phase is one of the hardest things I've done in my life. And I used to think like, man, it just doesn't feel because it's not everybody doesn't have the same physical feeling like there's sometimes you go on up up a mountain and 
some guys are falling out in the first five minutes and other guys can charge through for three hours. But I always felt like, man, this is my body just feels so beat, so tired. So fast forward to my first phase, like getting to Florida phase. I'm like, man, somehow I made it out of mountains. I didn't think I was going to make it. But, you know, here I am my second time in Ranger School. I'm not going back to Fort Polk, Fort, 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 Louisiana without my Ranger tail. I don't care. And so when I get down to Florida, um, man, I was day one platoon leader, which is a, a daunting task when you're down there in Florida. They they flew us in Blackhawks into our first objective. You get out, you start walking, guys start falling asleep immediately. So I'm I'm it's a 10 day in the field the entire time sort of training exercise. And on day eight of 10, after you walk through the swamps, you go on this thing that everybody tells you about called the long march. And I think the long march anywhere between like 13 to 16 miles, right? So we're doing this. Everybody tries to stay motivated because like, hey, man, if we get to day 10 and you've already gotten your goal, you've been evaluated as golden, you're just done. You're going to be you're going to complete ranger school, go back to Georgia and you get to graduate and get your tab. So we're on this march and I'm like, oh, my God, it's that same feeling that I felt when I was running on that track, you know. But at the time, I didn't I didn't make that that connection. So I felt like crap. Absolute. Absolute crap. And I was asking all the guys that were, you know, walking next to me everybody in the, the rank and file like hey how about you feel like you just want somebody to confirm that they also feel like crap so it'll make you you know better but i felt all of this i made it through i told myself i'm not gonna quit even though my, my legs felt heavy my breathing was interrupted and when we finally stopped we were all soaking wet because at this point and this is february and, and you know it's it's cold, but when you're walking that far, you you still you still sweat. And another quick thing is that when I went down from mountain phase to Florida phase, we traveled in buses from Georgia to Florida on my birthday, February 11th of 2000, and um, that was 17. So yeah. Anyway, I'm marching, and they stopped the ruck march. We're done with this long march. Hey, you made it. Go make a patrol base. We're gonna start your next mission. When we they gave us like hey, five minutes, put your rugs down, change your boots, change your uniform because everybody was soaked. We were walking for a long time. And when I laid my rug down and I was on the ground, I could not move. And the R.I. was like, get the hell up. What are you doing? And he thought I was joking or like I had just quit. Same sort of thing that happened at VMI on the track. I could not get up. I couldn't move. But they and there was, you know, they had medics there, but they were like the medics can't do anything for you because if you accept the medical care or whatever, then you're going to go back. And that means you have to get recycled. And the last thing I wanted to do is get recycled. So we went into the patrol base and I remember putting my ruck down and I, I just, I somehow that, you know, that was after about 10 people came over trying to either chew my ass or motivate me to get up. And then two guys helped me get up, walk me over, put my ruck down in the patrol base and I slept for like two hours straight. I wasn't supposed to because you're supposed to be doing the patrol based activities, but I slept because I was out of it. And when I woke up, it was the next morning and they always call out leadership positions. And this is day nine of the 10 day FTX, the morning of day nine. They call my name as the platoon leader because I had I failed the platoon leader grade from the day one because, you know, it was day one. And that was just a, a, it was a crapshoot. So they call my name and I go up to this RI, you know, I'm out of it. I'm lethargic. Everybody's lethargic, but I'm even more so. And I tell him, I gave him my heart, <laughs> telling him all kinds of things he doesn't care about. I'm like, hey, I played football in college. I've been through a lot of shit. I've been through a lot of injuries. I don't ever quit. I didn't come to Ranger School to quit, but something is going on in my body right now. And I, I can't I can't I don't think that I'll be successful if I, you know, I feel like I'll die if I take on this PL role and we go through. And he he was like, oh, man, like, I know you're serious. Took me over to the medics. Medics drove me back to the, the base down there um, in Florida where, you know, where the ranger school area is in Florida. 
I saw a physician's assistant. He saw how I looked, how I was talking, everything. He took me to, what is it down there? Eglin Air Force Base that's in Destin. Took me to the Air Force Base, to the ER. Same thing. They hooked me up. Doctors are doing all these tests, and they are like, what in the hell happened? And, you know, we explained that I was a Ranger student. I was in doing all these things. And they told me that I had just gone through rhabdomyolysis, you know, the rapid breakdown of protein in your bloodstream. And when it gets to your kidneys, it's too much for your kidneys to filter. So it causes your body to lock up and, you know, rhabdomyolysis is absolutely miserable. Like you feel like you've done the most intense workout of your life. Like your muscles feel like that. You feel like that, like with your breathing and exhaustion. So all of that happened. And obviously, you know, here I am, didn't know what my ranger school future was going to be. I'm in the hospital bed. Um, I had no cell phone because you can't have your phone in ranger school, obviously. And I'm calling my mom from the hospital room, which I was instructed not to do. But I'm like, OK, whatever. I'm in this room by myself. I'm going to call my mother. I call my mom. My mom's like, I'm coming down there. I don't care. I say, Mom, what if I'm out tomorrow? Like, no way you're coming down here. My mom came down there to visit me in the hospital. I ended up being in the hospital for five days. Mm. And so, you know, meanwhile, day 10 had finished all the guys that I was with. You know, they had gone on to find out that they passed and get to go graduate. When I got out, they're like, hey, you got there's a 48 hour rule in Ranger School about being in a medical tent or in a medical status. Once you surpass 48 hours, you're supposed to get dropped. But I pleaded with the physical, the physician's assistant, like, hey, just give me a chance. Give like we there's got to be a way. Um, and, you know, there was a couple other things working in my favor. And they let me after I had that. I was in there for five days. I came back three days during the recycle period and we started up all over again. Another 10 days. and. Same thing. They in this time on my second time around, it was like on day nine of the FTX. I ended up helping my buddy out. I grabbed his, you know, light machine gun. I picked up the saw. We're running back to the road because it was it was actually done. They had called the end of the exercise. Hey, come line up. We're going to go through, do our typical AAR. I wasn't even in leadership, man. Like I could help this guy grab the saw feeling good. I'm running through the, the wood line and this little thin tree twig in Florida pulled the charging handle of the saw and negligent discharge. Oh. Day eight, prior to the long walk, here I am. And, and the, all, the best part of this story is that we stood out on that road for 30 minutes and our eyes are going and everybody, who was it? Because, you know, we're running out of the woods. They didn't know who the negligent discharge was. They're like, who was it? Nobody was saying anything. Then they made a couple of specific threats that just made me say, all right, I'm going to step forward and I'm going to take whatever the penalty is. And when I stepped forward, they're like, all right, thank you. By you stepping forward, we'll make sure that you get recycled and not drop. So long story short, I got recycled. And, you know, and that time was tough because my body was reeling like I was hurting. It wasn't easy by any means. Then I ended up doing it a third time, which was terrible, miserable. And that was the time that I hallucinated and with the concession stand thing. But, you know, I ultimately graduated. <laughs> who, who was there? I mean, that's I, I still can't comprehend that. Who was there the day you got uh, tabbed? Man, it was such a big deal. You know, my dad being a, a careerist in the Army, so my, my dad was there, my mom, my grandparents, and my aunt. It was an, it was a family affair, plus probably some some military mentors. Yeah, it was it was honestly for me probably the most triumphant thing that I had done, you know, at that point in my life. I, I was going to say, I don't know your full life story, but I feel like I know enough of it that that, that probably had to be the day that you were the most proud of yourself and, and rightly so. Yeah, I, I really. Yeah, you're right. Like I was able to stand there when they gave us those tabs and my family pinned it on. Like I, I actually did feel proud, like 
you know, from the guy at VMI that got all of those injuries, that lost the scholarship, wasn't even supposed to be at VMI, had to fight through to get um, back on the field at VMI and then fought through uh, acute kidney failure to commission, got injured at Bolick, had to redo. And then same thing with Ranger School, failed and went back a year later. I was like, I'm not quitting. All of that stuff that I went through, 177 days, people doubted me. And so, yeah, when, you know, I feel like I can talk to anybody when it comes to Ranger School. And, and I really have a very unique experience that obviously we don't have enough time to cover. But yeah, like that much time there, it, it, it was ridiculous. But it was, I, I, you know, a proud moment when I finished. All right, Tyler, I'm, I'm going to do something I've only done one other time. We're going to do a part three. We're going to talk <laughs> more about Ranger, we're going to talk more about Ranger School. Then we'll talk about the rest of your time uh, in the Army to include a deployment to Afghanistan. Um, so are you up for a part three? Hey, I'm up for it, man. I, I felt myself being long-winded, and I was actually giving you, you know, the shorter version of some of those crazy stories, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down. Thank you. You are married now. Tell me a little bit about your, uh, your wife and then we'll uh, break for the end of part two and we'll pick up with part three soon. Yeah. My, my wife, Lireka, um, her and I got married March 25th of 2023. So we're almost, you know, up to celebrating our one year anniversary, crazy story, you know, another part of my life and these sort of unique experiences is that, when I was, I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, lived there, like I said, until probably eight or nine years old. But when I lived in Charlotte, my next door neighbors were a Puerto Rican family that had, you know, the mom moved from Puerto Rico after her husband, who was a police officer, got killed in Puerto Rico while on duty. He got killed. So they moved um, to Puerto Rico. She moved over there by herself with three kids to Charlotte and they were our next door neighbors. And because she, you know, she worked these crazy hours as a nurse, my mom helped her out and her and my mom hit it off. They ended up becoming like the best of friends. They're still friends to this day. So that Puerto Rican family, those friends that I called my best friends that I, you know, did so much with traveled to Puerto Rico with at nine years old, the first time. And they were the first cousins of my wife. So when I was nine, traveling to Puerto Rico with them to stay in my wife's house with her, you know, her and her mom back then. That was like the first time that I met her. But at the time it was just like, Hey, this is the cousin of my, my friends. And she's three years older than me. So, you know, she was probably preteen or maybe even a teenager at the time. No interest at all. No interest. And over the course of probably 10 years or more, we had interactions like that where I would see her at their family functions, the quinceañeras, all of those things. But the craziest part of our story is that you go back to LDAC at Fort Knox, Kentucky, in the in the field. We had just came back from the field. People are in our sort of recovery area. You get to take the showers out in the field in those those field tents, those shower tents. And I see this girl from a distance. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. She tells everybody this story. She's like 75 yards, maybe further away. And I just see her walking with her hair down. And it's not, you know, it wasn't that many women out there. So I just yelled her name. I had not seen her in like nine years. Cause we, you know, I'm 22 at this point. She's 25. I yelled her name and the girl turned around and I couldn't believe it. I ran over there. And it and it's her. So that was the first time we that we saw each other in 2014. And then well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why did you think it was her? I just saw. I mean, like I felt like I was like, man, this girl looks so familiar. And I yeah, I took a chance, yelled her name, and it was her. I didn't know she was in Army ROTC. I hadn't talked to her in so long, almost a decade. Wow. I didn't know she was going in the Army. And yeah, so you know, had that experience. And then same thing, we're in training. So I was like, Hey, great to see you. Haven't seen you forever. She's like, Oh my goodness. What? This is crazy. Um, and then we didn't really talk much after that. We did add each other on Facebook. Fast forward five years, 2019, my mom calls me like, Hey, Lideka is, she was like, do you remember Lideka? I was like, yeah, I remember Lideka. You know, I don't know her well, but I remember her. She's like, Hey, she's moving to DC. Um, next year, like next month, you need to, when she gets up there, show around, you know, let her know where she should sort of look for housing or whatnot. 
her and I met up at Penn Social in 2019, a little bar here in DC, just to like, hey, like, let's meet up, socialize, and then I'll tell you about the area where you should be looking. And I was like, we talked for like three hours this night, just sitting there. And I was like, wow, there's, in my mind, like, learned so much about her. She was an active duty army officer. I was an active duty army officer at the time. She was a nurse. And we had so much in common. And, you know, the rest is history. Wow. I mean, the, the you guys seeing each other at uh, Fort Knox is crazy. It really is. And and then we have we have photos of us together when we did when I did that visit when I was nine years old. We have pictures, a photo of us standing together with her mom. Her mom had just graduated that summer. Here I am, smaller guy. And she's like five, six inches taller than me at the time. So, yeah, man, our, our story is it's 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 amazing. We always think about it like, wow, it happened. But, yeah, my, that's my wife. It was uh, it was meant to be. It really was. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, you, you're the second guy in 260 plus episodes that I'm doing a three parter with Tyler. Hey, well, thank you. I'm honored. Uh, I'll make sure it's worthwhile. Got got some more, definitely some more extreme, you know, unique stories following that brutal run of Ranger School and going back to my unit, um, and just to prime people for the next next episode when i finished ranger school in april got back to my unit got appointed as a platoon leader and found out that we were going to be deploying to to iraq what i thought at the time to iraq in september of 2017 so yeah everything was happening fast i'm still a little uh thrown off by your ranger school stuff it sounds like (laughs) there's a lot more to talk about so yeah i look forward to it If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.